As I gazed out over the vast expanse of the Grand Canyon National Park, I couldn't help but feel awestruck by its sheer size and beauty. The towering cliffs, the winding Colorado River far below, and the rich red rock formations all around me were simply breathtaking. It was a peaceful moment, but my peace was shattered by a sudden blood-curdling scream that echoed through the canyon. I quickly realized that it was the cry of a park ranger in trouble. I ran towards the sound and soon spotted Ranger Laurie lying on the ground, writhing in pain. He was being attacked by a massive, furry creature, almost as tall as the trees around us. It was a Bigfoot or Sasquatch, or whatever you want to call it, but I knew I was looking at something straight out of a horror movie. The beast was clearly angry, and its eyes locked onto me as I approached. It was clear that it was going to come after me next. I was terrified, but I had to act fast. I reached for my gun, but before I could even get it out of my holster, the creature lunged at me, its massive claws flashing in the sunlight. I dodged the first attack, but barely. It was like being hit by a freight train, and, and I was tossed aside like a rag doll. I tried to scramble away, but the creature was relentless. It came at me again and again, each blow knocking me farther and farther away. Finally, I realized that there was no escaping it. I knew that I had to fight back or I was going to die. I stood up and stared the creature in the eyes. It was a terrifying sight, but I gritted my teeth and prepared to face it head. On. I charged at it, trying to dodge its huge claws, and aimed my gun at its chest. The next few seconds were a blur of violence and chaos. The creature and I collided, and I managed to get a shot off but it was too late. Its claws raked across my chest and I fell to the ground, bleeding and gasping for air. The last thing I saw before I lost consciousness was the creature disappearing back into the woods, leaving me there to die. When I awoke, I was in a hospital bed. My wounds were severe, but somehow I had survived. The doctors told me that they had found me just in time and that I had been lucky to escape with my life. I was grateful to be alive, but the experience had left me deeply shaken. Over the following weeks, I pieced together what had happened. The Bigfoot was real, and it had attacked Ranger Laurie, just as it had attacked me. But there was more to the story than that. I learned that there were others who had seen the creature, and who had even tried to capture it. And that was when I realized the truth. There was a conspiracy at work. Someone somewhere, was covering up the existence of this creature. They didn't want people to know that Bigfoot was real, and that it was a danger to those who lived and worked in the park. Ranger Laurie had been betrayed, and so had I. We had been left to die, sacrificed, for the sake of secrecy. It was a bitter pill to swallow, and one that still haunts me to this day. The Grand Canyon National Park is still a beautiful place but now I see it through a different lens. It's a place where danger lurks in the shadows and where secrets are kept at all costs. I don't know what the future holds, but one thing is certain. The memory of that terrible day will stay with me for the rest of my life. About 15 years ago, my wife and two children were leaving our home in Honeycomb, just north of Guntersville, off of Highway 431, at the bottom of Grant, Alabama. 
We were en route to Walmart. About 8-9 p.m. probably midsummer. A well-lit seems full moon night. We lived for me. Around past the lake in Honeycomb. I was driving my old hot rod a 1964 Ford. There are some persons by the last name of name removed by investigator who always have dogs in the street at their house by the lake. The road white elephant ruddy run by the water's edge in front of their home. The road is about four feet off of the shoreline. The name removed by investigator had two saint. Bernard dogs along with their other dogs. That particular night driving past I saw in the water walking away from the road and shore a large eight feet Sasquatch. I looked back in my rearview mirror and still turned around to look through my back glass. My wife saw my dismay and quickly asked what's wrong. She at that time looked back. I always drive slow by their house as the dogs are always in the road, so she had time to look. All she saw was the ripples in the water as we passed a few trees. It was a full moon night and no wind, calm waters. Now what I saw was the eight feet Sasquatch carrying one of the saint. Bernard Heads, I in the time that drove by slowly saw the Bigfoot from the knees up, carrying the head of the dog, some flesh was hanging from the neck area. The head was in the Bigfoot's left hand. He was carrying it from the dog hair at the top of the dog head. I said to my wife at that time that if one of those dogs came up missing that the Sasquatch was the reason why. However, both dogs came up missing and we never saw them again after that time. Now story up to date telling the story to many persons in the years passing. As people tell stories, I finally told the guys at the TVA, where I work as a contractor for the government, my relationship with Mr. Name Removed by Investigator is just knowing each other from the window of our vehicle as we would wave to one another as our children rode the school bus with each other. I finally one day about four years ago asked him what happened to his dogs and told him the story of what I saw. He said one of the dogs died in Huntsville, Alabama at his mother's home, and the other died at his home in Honeycomb, and he buried it behind his house. Now, I didn't push the issue of letting me dig up the dog's core, as it would be kind of tacky. But if you guys want to contact me and send some investigators to check and see if Mr. Name Removed by Investigator would allow you to dig up the core to see if its head is missing, you may get some clues or even some hair form the Sasquatch. However, if the head is still attached, then I was hallucinating the whole thing, and my wife would just imagine the water ripples too. I don't do drugs or smoke dope, and didn't at that time either. The only thing running through my veins is good, wholesome Native American blood. I would love to participate in pursuing this investigation if there will be one. My stepdad lived in Virginia when he was around the age of eight. Right on the edge of the great dismal swamp. According to him, he was in bed one night when the sky was cloudless or just very bright. He never thought until recently whether the moon was shining or not and saw a beast looking right through his window at him. He said he could see spittle running down its face and its eyes were looking straight at him. It was supposedly standing on its hind legs and had cream, red, and brown-colored, matted fur, and a face almost like a wolf. Other than its snout, its facial features were very human. Its jawbones were high, 
The structure around its eyes and its eyes themselves were human-esque. The coloring of its eyes, he believes, were yellow. The reason why I think this is interesting and possibly valid is because the Great Dismal Swamp covers a huge amount of territory and is hardly touched by humans. Only in recent years have people started to study its inhabitants. The grounds are wet, mossy, and absorb sound, and people have been known to wander into it and never return. Who knows what could be lurking in the unknown? Chills my bones. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention that he crawled out of his bed and went straight to his mother's room. In the morning, when they looked around the house, all the windows had ground that was stirred up under them and grass that was yanked out. There were actual scratches in the wood under his window, and paint was missing too. However, as far as they could see, there were no discernible footprints. My first encounter happened late at night while driving home to Snohomish from Sultan. The two towns being about ten miles apart. I was with my mother, and we had just finished dropping a friend off at her home in Sultan. It was late October, and there was an unusual storm going on that night that everyone talked about the following day. Tremendous cloud, to cloud lightning and a very cold, dry wind with no rain. Bright flashes of light, loud thunder and lots of leaves blowing around. After dropping our friend off, we were on a stretch of the road that's very dark, with farmland on either side of the highway, Highway 2, and both sides having densely wooded hills. We were driving in 1990 one Honda Accord, and at this one particular spot in the road, something caught my eye off to the left side, which was a farm field, and there was a break in the guardrail for a dirt road going into the field. Right when we were even to this break, I saw what looked like a huge dog coming up, and right then, it ran in front of our car and I hit it. We could see the top of its back, which we both swear looked more like a hyena at this point than a dog. It had to be huge to see its back over the hood of the car when you're sitting pretty low to the ground in a Honda Accord. Its fur was shaggy, brown, and mottled with dark spots, just like a hyena, and its front seemed higher up than its back. The headlights lit it up as it ran right in front of our car, and we could feel it get hit but didn't see it go either up in the air or off to the right side of the car. It was running from the left side of the highway to the right. We were driving westward. It sent my car into an uncontrollable swerve back and forth into the oncoming lane, and I just prayed that I could get it under control to keep from getting into a head. On collision with what looked like maybe a Ford Aerostar van, a calmness came over me, and I felt like my guardian angel had taken control of the steering because we missed the van by just a few inches. After going a little ways further, we were both so shook up, I pulled off to the side. My mother wanted to go look for the dog, because we both love animals and felt bad about hitting something. But I had a bad feeling about looking for this dog, because it had looked so strange, and I was afraid of it. It was dark and stormy. It didn't feel safe, and I just wanted to get home. We got back in the car and stopped at a little gas station when we first got into Monroe, which is the next town between our town and Sultan. We got out to look at the front of my car, thinking surely there would be some evidence of hitting something that large. We were going the highway speed when we hit it, which is 60 miles per hour, 
like a dent, some fur or blood, but there was nothing there, not a scratch. The whole thing had a very supernatural feel to it. The look of this dog, which was huge and looked more like a hyena, just didn't seem right. Neither did the timing of it running in front of us like it wanted to make us stop on that dark stretch of road and get out of my car, which we did, but we got right back in. I never saw it on two legs. It ran on all fours, but there was something so calculated about the way it came up to the highway and looked at our car and ran in front of it. It seemed planned. It was such a strange electromagnetic type of storm that night too. The next day, people we knew that lived miles and miles apart in many different directions all talked about the storm and one particularly loud thunderclap that shook everyone's homes. They all thought it was directly over their house, but they were all miles apart. I have three more encounters which occurred after this first one. I'm pretty sure this happened October 1997, no later than 1998. When I was a kid, I had a terrifying experience, which although I have grown out of, I still remember it, and it kind of bring me chills. One day I was sleeping and had the habit of covering my face while sleeping. I woke in the middle of the night somewhere between two hours three hours. So I took the cover off because it was hot, and then I saw a huge dark figure with big horns standing in the middle of the room. I was terrified and screamed from the fear and immediately covered my face under the blanket which I stayed under crying from fear till morning. When I had the courage to take off the cover, I was relieved that nothing was there anymore. I always thinking that maybe I am just imagining because your brain can play tricks on you in the darkness, and I was specifically scared of the idea of ghosts and demons, and was afraid to sleep alone as a kid. So maybe it was not real. But what I can tell you is that I was not dreaming that night, and what I described is exactly what I saw. If any had any experiences like this share, it is good to talk about it so we can feel better move on, because ever since that time, I didn't experience any of that, not even sleep paralysis. So whatever it is, it feeds over your fear, or it is just a fearful kid's hallucination in the dark. When I was in high school about ten years ago, I witnessed a pair of slightly glowing yellow eyes looking into my house from the back door. The creature probably stood seven eight feet tall, and the only thing that I could see in the darkness were its glowing yellow eyes. I liked in a suburban neighborhood in East Texas. There was a room full of family in the dimly lit living room which was connected to this back door. They were eyes for sure, not lights or headlights or anything reflecting off of the glass. I looked into this creature's glass-like glowing yellow eyes and felt it was intelligent despite only being able to see its eyes and nothing else. It didn't necessarily scare me, per se. I didn't tell anyone at all, actually. I just turned around and smoked on my front porch instead of out back. Does anyone know what creature I might have saw that day? Do you guys think it may have influenced my actions by keeping me calm and not alerting my family members that were just a couple steps away? I think about it every time I see any form of glowing eyes, which is pretty often... In the summer of 2017, around 10 p.m., I was in the kitchen watching YouTube videos on my phone when I decided it's time to go to sleep. 
So I go turn off the light to the kitchen, and as I'm walking past one of the kitchen window that leads to the backyard, I notice someone. At first, I had this gut feeling that told me to look to my peripheral vision, and I look out the kitchen window, and I see a black figure walking across my backyard. At this point, I am frozen with fear, and I see this thing walking across my yard with its bright glowing eyes, and I assume it noticed me since its head tilted my direction, and it suddenly vanished. The figure was completely black, and its body looked like it was made out of fog, almost like a black thundercloud and its only facial textures were these glowing white eyes. Also, its outline of its body had a thin spectrum of colors, similar to the colors of a soap bubble, when you look into it, or the rainbow color of oil when it's dropped on the floor. I have no idea what to even call this thing, but it was a scary experience. Does anyone have a clue what this thing was? I've been working as a police officer in Detroit for a little more than a decade now. I've learned that ghosts are not the scariest thing you'll find out there. Living people are far worse. However, one of my first scary experiences did involve something paranormal. It still roams around my mind. I was still a rookie back then, going out for my first night patrols. I was nervous but also excited to get the chance to finally take matters into my own hands to make the country a safer place and play my part. Yes, I was the classic naive kid with big dreams. I believe that becoming a cop was the closest thing to a superhero. I know better now. So anyway, I was sitting there next to my partner in the car, driving around the neighborhood patrolling. It was starting to get very late, around 11.30, 5 p.m. We had seen nothing suspicious or out of the ordinary, so we're getting kind of bored. We parked in sort of a desolate part of the neighborhood, just watching the hours go by and our radio flicked on. We were being dispatched to another place as somebody had reported strange noises coming from an abandoned warehouse. My partner seemed more annoyed. I was ecstatic. Finally, something to do. I was so afraid I would get nothing to do on one of my first nights out. I was willing to check out every corner of that warehouse, even if the noise just turned to be a family of raccoons. So we said to check out what the ruckus might be. We drove deep into the neighborhood. You know how in Detroit there are some places that were basically just left to rot? Well, the warehouse was located in one of those empty spots. Every house for miles seemed to be in a progressive state of decay. We began wondering who would have reported a noise disturbance in such a place. Nobody seemed to be living near. We got to the place and parked the car. The warehouse was basically just a run-down, barely-standing building. The roof was missing in some parts. Most of the windows were just shards, and the walls were blackened almost all around. The doors were so rusty it seemed that they would become dust the moment we tried to open them. But that was not the only thing. The place had a vibe. I don't know how to describe it. It felt like a place you should stay away from. Both my partner and I knew it. He looked at me after taking a look at the building suggested we both claim we found nothing inside to get out. I felt very tempted, but I needed to know I could handle this job and be a proper officer. It was time to improve myself, so I refused his offer and told him we should just give a quick look around in case something might be going on inside. He rolled his eyes at me, but reluctantly agreed. We got our guns, flashlights ready, getting out of the car. 
I immediately noticed the heat. It was an early fall night, so it wasn't exactly cold. However, when we stepped out of the car, I swear the temperature had risen like 20 degrees. I had to leave my jacket in the car. My partner just took this as another bad sign and insisted on leaving. He was also the very superstitious kind. I needed to just take a look around and felt like I'd truly done my job. We approached the factory and the temperature was just soaring the closer we got to it, like it was a furnace. I now started to sweat. It felt almost like the heat was coming from the building itself. We got to one of the doors. I tried to grab the handle to pry it open. The moment I touched it, the metal felt burning hot. I cursed, immediately removing my hand. I looked at the handle, and even though it felt like it was red hot, it seemed completely normal. It left faint burning marks all over my hand, and my partner and I were beginning to freak out. He once again repeated we should just leave the place and call the fire department. We turned around and were about to head back when we had heard the screams and the pounding. In the blink of an eye, every door and wall was being desperately pounded by what must have been dozens of people, and all sorts of screams and wailings were coming from inside. My partner and I bolted straight to the car, but Ben Way, my hero complex, kicked in completely idiotic. I headed straight back to one of the window openings. As I approached again, the screams got louder, the heat it being almost unbearable. I could feel my eyelashes getting singed. As soon as I got close enough, I looked inside, expecting to find somebody, something that could be making and responsible for all the noise. The building was empty, just a run-down warehouse with their floors covered in black and rubble. I got a really bad feeling in the pit of my stomach, so I bolted out without even looking back. I got inside the car where my partner was very patiently waiting for me. We drove away very quickly as we got out and my heartbeat finally slowed. Those voices, they still resonated in my head. They were screaming in pain, pleading for help, and of course nobody took us seriously at all back at the station. Even the fire department got incredibly annoyed when they found nothing. They were sure somebody was playing a prank, and they were not fans of pranks, especially when it involved them wasting their time. But from then on, I was very weary of night patrols, even more so when they involved desolated places, all dilapidated buildings where gangs and criminals would go to hang out. After this, I never came across something like that afterwards. To be fair, I have not been to that part of the city ever since that night. I have done some research, though, and turns out around 50 years ago the place was actually a textile factory that burned to the ground in a very uncontrollable fire. A massive conflagration. A lot of people, unfortunately, did not make it out. The factory was then rebuilt from the ground up not too long after. I'm sorry I don't know the dates. I believe the screams we had heard were from the ghosts that were left behind. Scars left by the tragic events. I still don't know if that's really what it was. But whatever it was terrified me and makes me feel very sad about all of it. I grew up in southern Georgia in the woods and swamps, hunting and hanging daily. Fast forward 20 years. I'm on my lease hunting property near Whitmire, South Carolina. I found it strange that the old guys in the club would never ever hunt alone in these woods. 
I normally carry a .36 while in the woods. One evening it was getting late, 20 minutes or so, maybe before dark. I'm watching some small ponds sitting over a road in the tall pines. I'm in my climber, maybe 10 feet or so up in the tree. I love the woods but hate heights. The woods are loud but then very quiet. Okay, I thought. I was just hoping for a big buck. The next thing I hear is someone walking towards me in the small pines, but then they just stop. It's getting really dark. I start hearing deep groans where the walking had stopped. I'm thinking that it was a bear or a cat, which would be very uncommon in this area. A big cat, maybe. But bears this far south is not normal. It gets very quiet again. I could see the small road well in the moonlight. The next thing I hear, the groans are immediately under me, almost beside me. Now the groans are becoming growls. Also, the odor was a bit overwhelming, just like a dead animal in the woods. I thought that a stinky animal was climbing on my tree and felt like I was going to be grabbed. I started moving a bit, trying to get my gun pointed down and lifting my feet. I was shaking because I was freaking scared. I could hear heavy breaths. I started yelling down. If you're a club member trespassing, I don't care. Just identify yourself or I'm going to freaking start shooting. I thought someone was trying to get at me in the tree stand. I never heard another sound and the foul odor was gone. I put my gun on my back and started slowly climbing down the tree. No more than two or three steps down the tree, I smelled that awful odor again. Then I heard a low groan. It was right in front of my face. But it was so dark that I saw nothing. It scared me so bad I stood up and jumped into the dark in the other direction. When I hit the ground I rolled around, jumped to my feet and ran down to the road. I ran as hard as I could to the gravel road where I could see well in the moonlight. At this time I remembered that my buddy was down at the bottom of the road in the small pines where I put him in a big box stand. I didn't see his light so I had to run down that road to get to the bottom by the rivers. He was down by the rivers. When I ran up to him, he said, Man, there's some weird shit going down. We need to go. We slowly walked together back up toward the gravel road. I heard someone walking on both sides of us all the way. I think my buddy was hearing it too. We didn't speak during the entire walk, maybe five to six hundred yards for some reason. I didn't feel my gun was going to help. I had hollered earlier, threatening to shoot, and whoever this was, they weren't scared. When we got to the gravel road, the entire atmosphere had changed. It was almost eleven o'clock at night by then. My buddy didn't talk much. We went back to camp and had some food. We went to bed. I could hear him rolling around all night, and I didn't sleep a wink. Hello, what do people think this thing was? A demon goblin. Something else. Why was it in my house? This took place in a suburb of Minneapolis, Minnesota, around 2015. My father was a police officer for 30 years. He is a respected member of the city council and an all-around reliable dude. He told me that a few years back he walked into the bathroom late at night to get ready for bed and a four-foot-tall demon thing was standing on the bathroom rug facing him. He didn't feel scared but sensed that the creature was just being annoying. It had long arms hanging almost to the floor and had brown fur but wasn't super hairy. He said it had a bat-like face but not quite as smooshed. 
His first reaction was to say in the name of Jesus, leave my house. He said it just kind of stared at him, then jumped up and vanished through the closed bathroom window. No broken glass. End of story. I am 20 and me and my buddies enjoy late night walks on the trails within the various conservation areas in my region of southwestern Ontario. Late last week, we decided to check out an area called Pleasant Valley. To my knowledge, this area has a deep-rooted history with the Underground Railroad, indigenous peoples, as well as the War of 1812, if I am not mistaken, given its proximity to Lake Erie. We entered the woods at about 2 a.m., and immediately upon entering, I was overcome with a bad feeling, and after walking for some time, the feeling progressively worsened until we reached two bent trees in an X over the path. My one buddy pointed out the fact that it's bad juju to go underneath, and we should just call it a night as we all felt watched. As soon as we turn around and start to head back, the entire forest seemed dramatically quieter. We all hear a loud, distinctively human whistle behind us, almost like how you would call a dog over. There's no way anyone could have been out there at that hour and there is no homes in close enough proximity for someone to be out and about. We all ran, and I was honestly terrified me, and my friends are all relatively big guys, and we are all comfortable in the woods, so it takes a lot to get us running low. Any ideas 